Hi, everybody. This is Jeff Ashkin in Los Angeles, California. I'm joined with Roy Cole in Jersey City, New Jersey, and Derek Kessler in Yokohama, Japan. And this is Coast to Coast to Coast. And now, part two of our discussion on video games and our reviews. Enjoy! I didn't really rank the second and third, but I have a Super Mario Kart in my top three. To me, that was like the quintessential party game. Like if you went to a friend's house and there were like six or seven friends over and you're like, what can we do that all of us can participate in and it'll occupy us for hours and we're all going to laugh hysterically and have a great time. Uh, you would put on Super Mario Kart, and mm. you could play that for hours. And uh, I just, I really liked um, the battle mode, you know, where you're just uh, yeah. trying to like kill the other person, like, like throw objects at them. And uh, I just remember that, um, you know, there was the red shells, the red Koopa shells that you could <laughs> shoot at people, and that that had like a homing beacon. So basically, right. you shot it, and it automatically hit the opposing yeah. player. But then there were the green shells that just uh, had no aim. You just had to like aim it manually on your own and hope that maybe it happened to hit somebody. And the satisfaction that you got from hitting somebody with the green shell, because it was so incredibly hard to do, because like you're moving and they're moving at the same time. You got to use geometry. Uh, yeah, yeah. You need to know like your sine, cosine, and tangent. Exactly. all that shit um but it was just like every time you hit someone with a green shell you'd be like booyah <laughs> and uh and the person was always so frustrated I so, I just, yeah, so you're saying super mario kart on super nintendo correct yeah yeah no i didn't i didn't really play much um n64 my gaming kind of ended um it ended after final fantasy 7 actually but uh mm -hmm. But yeah, before that, I was really into uh, Super Nintendo games. Um, so that would be in my top three. And then the other game in my top three, which is a, a real uh, uh, underdog, I guess, um, is The Adventures of Bayou Billy. You always like this fucking stuff. I looked it up to see if it showed up on any like top 100 Nintendo okay. games, and I couldn't find it on any of them. So, There's a not, reason for that. <laughs> I have to describe this game because it's pretty amazing, and I don't know why it's not in everyone's top ten list. So, you play as the the titler titler character Bayou Billy. I think it's Nintendo, not Super Nintendo, right? Yeah, yeah, it is Nintendo. Yeah, not Super Nintendo. Despite it's actually the first game I played after Super Mario Brothers, by the way. Um, so you're Bayou Billy, who's like this hybrid between crocodile dundee and and like dog the bounty hunter and uh like the whole game he wears uh he just wears a crocodile skin vest and you see his chest like rippling the whole game and uh so the plot of the game is that you have to rescue your girlfriend annabelle who uh who looks like daisy duke from the dukes of hazard and, and dresses the same uh, so Annabelle, your girlfriend, has been kidnapped 
my godfather Gordon. He's like the like the head mob boss in uh, Louisiana. The whole game takes place in Louisiana, and uh, I guess uh, Godfather Gordon. Uh, I think he's mad because Bayou Billy has thwarted all his smuggling schemes in Louisiana, so he kidnaps Bayou Billy's girlfriend, and so you have to go rescue Annabelle from Godfather Gordon. And so there's these different levels that all take place in Louisiana. You start out in like the swamplands of Louisiana. And uh, you have to like, like punch crocodiles in the face. Uh, there's uh, scuba divers that start shooting at you with guns and you have to like stab them to kill them. Um, you know how, uh, you remember in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to get full health, you would uh, get a pizza, right? That would restore your full health, right? Yeah. So uh, in Bayou Billy, it's a giant roast chicken. <laughs> like, it's like occasionally like gumbo or something. What's that? It's not like shrimp gumbo. That actually would be would be more topical. But uh, <laughs> no, it's like a big roast chicken. Like if you killed the right enemy, like a roast chicken would pop out of him, <laughs> and then you would uh, eat it, and you'd get your health restored. Hmm. And uh, yeah, there's like a later level that takes place on Bourbon Street. And um, there's a, oh, it also used the Zapper. If you remember the Nintendo Zapper, it would mm-hmm. switch the levels where you use the Zapper. The there's zapper a level where. The, what, the Zapper is the gun that you would fire at the screen, right? Oh, yes, for those uh, yeah. people who aren't video game nerds. Yeah. Uh, the Zapper was a, a gun that came with the Nintendo, and you fired it at the screen, and it registered your shots. Um, so yeah, so there is zapper levels and, um, there is levels where you were, uh, riding in a Jeep and you had to like throw grenades from your Jeep at planes that were trying to shoot you from up above. And, uh, by the way, it's ridiculously hard. It's, it's like the hardest game I've ever played, uh, on Nintendo. And, uh, yeah, it's just to me, like, this is really a funny storyline for a Nintendo game. I was six years old when I was playing it. And uh, just to see all this crazy shit. Um, and also, like, uh, his girlfriend, Anna, uh, Annabelle, was, uh, was like, this really attractive blonde with, like, um, you know, big chest. And so, like, my six-year-old brain, uh, I didn't fully understand it, but I was like, this is a great game. Um, yeah, so I recommend uh, The Adventures of Bayou Billy for Nintendo. Okay, moving on from that. Um, no, no, I mean, obviously, if, if, it, if it came to your life in six years old and you're still talking about it now, it obviously left a major impression. Oh, it's such a good game. Yeah. Very frustrating, though, because it's very hard to beat. I was going to say, for my choices, this was a very hard question for me also. I I wasn't... Growing up, I really wasn't too familiar with Final Fantasy until I got older, and a mutual friend introduced me. To, I think my first Final Fantasy was actually Final Fantasy VII, but um, I would definitely say uh, the Mario Brothers series, specifically Mario Brothers one through three, of course, for Nintendo, and Super Mario World for Super Nintendo, and the Zelda games were. I mean, those are just amazing. I love the fact that in Zelda, you know, after you beat it, there's like a whole other game you can play right afterward. I think that was that was really cool. I think I mentioned that on the podcast already, actually, now that I think about 
Anyway, um, but for me, the one game that I think that was <laughs> the one game that was the game changer, quote unquote, uh, for me was Goldeneye, actually. So I'm going to say Goldeneye. Do I think it's the best video game of all time? I I don't know. It's hard to say. I guess I'll say I should have put what's your favorite. That was the best. But I will say Goldeneye for me, Goldeneye for N64, Nintendo 64, uh, was the game that for me elevated the first person shooter uh, style, which is you know, the 3D uh, perspective. Uh, I'm sorry, perspective. I'm sorry. The first person point of view, you're going through a level and the the storyline was good. The the tasks you had to do in the level were good. The action was fun. The rumble pack that was on the controller was <laughs> synced very well to every shot and every hit you got, making you feel like you were really in the game. The graphics may have dated by now, but the gameplay never gets old. The storyline was good, and the multiplayer was also amazing. Uh, Roy, Derek, and I would play this game. Like for, I, I think for hours. I don't know. You guys were playing this for like hours. I played it a few times at your house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I so I um, had Goldeneye on my list, and I didn't want to elaborate on it too much because I thought maybe one of you would mention it. When when Roy said he thought a Mario Kart was the ultimate party game, I would have to say Goldeneye. I mean, yeah, I've played Mario Kart for hours and hours and hours, but I think Goldeneye just that the multiplayer, the single player is amazing in itself, but the multiplayer was just they had so many different types of of weapons, and you could do the proximity mines and remote mines, and and there's just so many ways to, um, just so many unexpected turns that could happen, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, anything you guys want to recommend this week? I got a couple things. Um, I literally, sorry, go ahead. So I watched this new show um, called Upload. Oh, I saw that, yeah. <laughs> um, so it's about a, it takes place in the not too distant future when you're able to upload your consciousness to uh, a server and exist as your consciousness within the server. I only watched the first episode, but um, it sounds like a really cool topic, uh, kind of relates to the immortality topic we were discussing last time. However, I would not recommend <laughs> watching this show. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> because, um, Jeff, I, and if, if you've seen it, maybe you could chime in. I, I don't know if you've seen it, Roy, either, but... Um, it sounded so cool and then you watch it and like the it was like um so juvenile the way the story progressed yeah. and, and the way the uh like the logic just didn't seem to make sense did you find that i Jeff? i did i wasn't sure like what upload i don't understand like what the heaven was what are the rules there i don't understand like you know the the, the only part i actually really liked is when this guy gets uh, finally put into the up uh, onto uh, the system and they cut off his head and he falls into a a tub of ice uh, that was kind of funny i was gonna say um i wasn't gonna recommend uh the the show that i watched but i would recommend there's an app that i would recommend this app has provided me with a lot of entertainment um the last few months uh it's, it's called serial reader 
uh, cereal as in like uh, continuous, not uh, breakfast cereal. Um, They're great. So, so basically, it's uh, an app that has access to tons of public domain novels and literature, and you can choose any any uh, piece of writing to begin reading. And it breaks the book down into like 10 minute reading sessions. And it, you can only read that session. You can only read one session a day. So like it gives you the first chapter or the first 10 minutes of reading. And then every time you wake, or sorry, every time um, a certain 24 hour period ends, uh, it gives you the next issue basically. And the idea is that by reading a little bit at a time, you have an opportunity to um, say, okay, this is how much I want to spend reading per day or whatever. And uh, you, you don't have to commit to reading such uh, a large amount of text if, if you don't want to. And it allows you to, I've read like so many novels that I wouldn't have probably w- would have been maybe intimidated to start reading had it uh, otherwise been otherwise, but um it just makes the even very large, very long books more um, digestible. Um, but of course, you have the option to read ahead if you want. Um, you can choose a later issue and uh, unlock the issues um, that you haven't gotten to yet. But naturally, it only unlocks one per day. So um, I and the the creator is really good with uh, updating it. He's always adding new public domain novels. So you really never get bored. So uh, Serial Reader has been a really great way for me to stay entertained. That sounds cool. Actually, while you were talking, I downloaded it. (laughs) Great. Did you read read anything? (laughs) Days worth of material. Yeah, Yeah, I've read like like 10 novels already through it. Awesome. I don't know. I'm gonna cut that part out. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Do you have anything you want to recommend, Roy? Uh what did I see? Not really. I saw a couple episodes of um that show Hollywood. Oh, what'd you think of that? Eh. I don't <laughs> well I don't know, maybe it it changes after a few episodes, but like I saw the whole the thing, first, by the way. The yeah. first couple episodes, everyone's just like you want to make it in Hollywood? You got to have sex with me. And uh, that, like, that happens, like, like, four or five times in the first two episodes. At no point do you see, like, any Hollywood films being made, like, or the process of how Hollywood works. It's just everything. like, you want to make it big, huh? You better have sex with this girl. And when you're done with that, you better have sex with this guy. And, uh, just like. It's like I get it. It was corrupt. But like that was everything that happened was just that over and over again. That I only watched two episodes, so maybe it changes later on. But nope. uh, no, 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 that's the entire show. Well, I'll put it this way: I it's it's what they it's a revisionist tale. It's basically uh, as you can surmise, like there are some people who are there are real people in people who is, existed. Sorry, how do I put this? There are real people in the story, but then there are also made-up characters, and the events that happen uh, didn't quite happen in the 40s, but it's basically 
uh, a type of wish fulfillment, I think, for what could have been if more progressive ideas had been implemented in the 40s. So I, I think it has a nice, has a, has a good heart to it, but I feel that it also, I don't know, I, I, I think it could have been a lot more interesting and more in-depth. Even if you hate it, I, I actually want you to see it. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll hate watch it. Yeah, I have I have three things I could talk about. One's a documentary, one's a obscure movie from the eighties, and the other one is a reality show. Which one do you guys want to hear? I would say the obscure movie. Wait, Roy, Roy, no, I was gonna say start with the movie from the eighties, but I don't think that's what Derek said. Derek, what did you say? Yeah, the 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 obscure movie. That's what I want to hear. Uh, Well, the obscure movie today. It's called Dream Child. And no, it's not the Nightmare on Elm Street uh, number five, The Dream Child. This is called Dream Child. It's by Gavin Miller. He's a British director. And it's a story uh, about Alice Little, uh, Liddell, I'm sorry. It's a story told from the point of view of Alice Liddell, who was the inspiration for Alice in Wonderland. Mm. Uh, uh, what's his name? Lewis Carroll uh, would... Lewis Carroll, the author of Alice in Wonderland, or sort of say Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass, uh, basically used her as the you know, the character. And in the story, in the movie, it, she travels to the United States as an older woman. What should I say? She travels to the United States to receive an honorary degree from Columbia University celebrating the centenary of Lewis Carroll's birth. And uh, so this was... I believe back in the so the movie takes place in the seventies, even though it's you know uh, made in nineteen eighty five, and she basically is receiving it on his behalf. So he got he gets a special degree and she receives it on his behalf, but it flashes back to her childhood, showing how he basically stalked her and you know was emotionally manipulative, um, uh, in her childhood and in the scenes where she's an adult, she comes to terms with it. But the reason why I bring this up is not because it's just, you know, a very, you know, uh, talky drama. It's actually what's so interesting about it is that they actually have uh, recreate. They have scenes recreated from Alice in Wonderland in live action with puppets from the Jim Henson Company. Um, they have the Mad Hatter, the March Hare, the Dormouse, the Mock Turtle, the Griffin and the Caterpillar. And no, it's not sweetsy, cutesy, you know, fun. It's. They're actually rarely, I'd say, pretty grotesque, actually. It's some of the freakiest designs I think I've ever seen for these characters. And it's an uplifting movie, though. It's, it's a good film, and it's definitely a film that I had not seen up until recently. I don't know where I even... I found it on YouTube. You can actually watch this whole movie for free on YouTube right now. Um, and I should say the writer is Dennis Potter, who wrote The Singing Detective which I also really enjoyed. Uh, he's a British author. Anyway, but um, it's a it's a very interesting movie. Like I said, if you're interested in Alice in Wonderland and the bus, the behind the, you know, behind the story and, and the people involved with it, and also if you love puppets and puppetry, I think it's it's really it's really fascinating to see. Like it just just watch the opening scene. It's creepy as hell. It has the it has a scene from Alice in Wonderland, and it's the mock turtle and the griffin. And it's, I would say, if I had seen it as a kid, as I, if I had seen this movie as a kid, it definitely would have scarred me for life. But as an adult, it's it's endlessly fascinating. So, If I watch this movie, will I 
not like Lewis Carroll as a person? Like, well, I think less of him. Well, that's a good question. Because um, I like Lewis Carroll because he's a mathematician. Which, I would uh, say I you will definitely. Hmm. I mean, he's played by Ian Holm, so oh, he's great. Yeah, he's a great actor. I would definitely say that you will probably think slightly less of him as a person, but not less of him as a mathematician. As <laughs> okay, <laughs> as long as they don't impugn his mathematical ability. No. I mean, it just it just basically now. Obviously, this is all conjecture. We don't really know what happened. I mean, obviously, back in the day, you didn't really know what was going on. Um, it doesn't say that he molested her or did anything of that nature, but it basically shows that he he was obsessed with her, and that's one of the reasons why she has issues as an adult. But you'll see, and I don't want to spoil it, but you'll see what happens in the film that that. Uh, that uh, makes her change um, perspectives. Okay. Well, do you want guys want to hear my other two? Uh... Sure. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, I was inspired by Roy's uh, choice of Too Hot to Handle uh, <laughs> reality show. So I, I went ahead and checked out a reality show myself. It's called Married at First Sight. Have you guys heard of it? or No, but I like it. I like the title. <laughs> well, it's a show that pairs up a couple who have never met. And it's, and the reason why they pair it's, it's a, it pairs with a couple that never met based on a survey they're given beforehand that is dissected by a panel of their marriage experts. There's a clinical psychologist and a sexologist and a sociologist and a marriage counselor. I and love it. This sounds like a disaster. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it pretty much is. Um, so the bride and the groom don't meet until the wedding day. And they they basically have episodes where the episode, one episode will be about the pairing of everybody, and then the episode, next episode will be about the plans before the wedding, and then during the wedding, and then the honeymoon, and then the moving in together. And unfortunately, I notice this with a lot of reality shows. A lot of it is padding, and I feel like sometimes, I feel like a lot of times, they put in little bits to, to kind of add more drama. But there's actually, it's so funny, there's actually one episode of this show that takes place in South Florida, and that particular season is the one I'd recommend maybe because it's so close to home, but I don't want to spoil it, but one couple was so poorly put so poorly matched that the marriage lasted two weeks. <laughs> so I think you just spoiled it. Well, I don't, I didn't tell you who it was. You have to watch the show to find out. Okay. So I'll put it this I way. Just, you can, okay, you can yeah. see it coming a mile away. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I actually I uh, went on a date once in New York City uh, that lasted about seven minutes. That was uh, oh, yeah, so totally. your, your two week marriage made me think of that seven minute date that I went on. Yeah, um, I would say that it's it's definitely I it's okay. How I put this? Uh, I think one season is enough. If you want, there's, there's like ten seasons of the show. And different locations. There's one in Philadelphia, Chicago, South Florida, New York, New York City, I should say. Um, and if you want, if you could actually spoil it for yourself, if you go online and look up the uh, Wikipedia page, you can see who stayed together and who left. But some of the some of the couples stayed together, and some of the couples got divorced. Some of them, the show basically, some of the seasons end in about six weeks after they get married, and they say, "Do you want to stay together?" And they're like, "Yeah." And then you find out like a year later they got divorced. Um, 
So it's just interesting to see the dichotomy between the personalities and what people think you would be good with. Like, oh, you're into sports? She's into sports. So you'd be a perfect <laughs> match. I'm like, no, that wouldn't work. Um, you know, there's, 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 so much, there's so much to it that I think it's interesting to see the, the perspective of someone thinking who you'd be perfect for. So. Do they show uh, photos of each other before they meet? No. Or when they, so when they see each other for the first time, it's the first time they've laid eyes on the person. So according to the rea- according to the show, now that that might not be true. I don't know, but I would say, based on what I've seen, it seems like they are really seeing the person for the first time on the wedding day. Are there any react? There must be someone who sees the other birds for the first time, and you can tell by the reaction that they're just completely not interested in what they're looking at. Does that I happen? Wanna, I don't want to spoil it, but yeah, kind of. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna like, look for that. like wow, wow, he's not what I expected. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> that, uh, that yeah. sheer disappointment that uh, overcomes yeah. them. The last thing I was going to mention, though, before I forget, so the other thing I, I saw, which I don't know, I shouldn't have ended on this one because this is not as interesting as the other two, but um, there's a documentary about the $2 bill. Um, <laughs> it, I know, I don't know why, I should have started with this one and then worked my way up to the movie. Um, the, it's called the $2 bill documentary. You can see it once again for free on YouTube. And it's just about people who collect $2 bills and what the two, how much the $2 bill means to certain people. Some people consider it like a, a, um, a, a token of luck or some sort of special because of this rareness, they feel like there's something, uh, magical about it. And if you were able to collect, they have they even show you what two dollar bills are worth a lot more than two dollars based on what's printed on the back and certain uh, um, uh, printing numbers that are on top of the bill. So if you have a two dollar bill and you want to know how much it's worth, you can watch the documentary. They'll tell you all about it. So are there um are there like uh, opposing viewpoints in the movie? Like someone being like. To hell with the two dollar bill! It's sacrilege. <laughs> then another person like, we need more two dollar bills. <laughs> like, you hear them I argue? Would, I would say that no, there's really no one who says like, you know, the dollar bill. But I will, I will say that there are some people who are like not in, interested in it. But there are some people. Surprisingly, there are conventions where they go with their with their uh, uh, money. Like rare currency conventions. Uh, I don't know I said there's, there's some conventions where they go in and, and see how much their currency is worth. And there's currency from the, the 1850s, and there's currency. There's something called um, uh, double current, duo current, where one side is printed with one number and the other side is printed with another number. So you could have like a $1 bill in the front and a $2 bill in the back. So you have a $3 bill type. Okay. So. It's does that become a three dollar bill if you add that? Is that the rule of money? I don't know. <laughs> I would say that I would say that uh, it's just a misprint that I think you could actually use. But if you're interested in like you know money being printed and how it's done, I don't know. I I I'd recommend it. I would say this: it seems like if you give somebody a two dollar bill, it seems like they remember you more. That seems to be a thing. Well, uh, there's like a, some. I guess it's like an internet meme now of this story of um, a guy going to Taco Bell 
and buying a burrito for a dollar eighty nine, and he tries to pay for it with a two dollar bill. Uh, that story is in the documentary, just so you know. Okay, okay. And nobody at Taco Bell believes it's a, it's a legitimate money because they've never heard of a two dollar bill, and hilarity ensues. Yeah, that guy's interviewed, and he talks about that. Also, the song Two Dollar Bill by Two Chains is a great song. Just want to put that in there as well. It's a what about the what about the album uh, Three Dollar Bill, y'all? Oh, that's, that's, that's a good album. That's a that's a new metal classic, if you ask me. <laughs> that is, that oh, was, yeah. In the same way, Super Nintendo changed the gaming world. Uh, Three Dollar <laughs> Bill, y'all, changed the new metal world forever. Oh, I'll into it. Thanks for joining us today. Let us know if there's a topic you want us to cover by sending us a message at coast to coast to coast podcast at gmail.com. That's coast the number two, coast the number two, and then coast podcast at gmail.com. Send us your thoughts, comments, literally anything at this point. Seriously, mom, dad, Roy's mom, Derek's mom, any moms listening, please send us something. We'd love to hear from you. I'm sure. Any of our friends, anything. Seriously, just just as a joke, send us something. I hope we didn't uh, scare away all the moms with all that video game talk. Yeah. If you're any Bayou Billy fans out there who want to get in on this, or Bayou Billy himself, if you want to call in, we'd love to hear from you. You know? Um, I think uh, I think I'd love to... I'd love to, get a, I'd love to read any email on, on the podcast. Anyway, but thanks for listening, and we will talk to you all next week. All right, that's it. I'm getting hungry. Um, anything else you guys want to say <laughs> before? That, sound, that means it's the end of the podcast. When Jeff <laughs> <That's the end laughs> stomach grumbling signals yeah. <laughs> that it's time for us to sign off. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you guys, 